1: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Friday, April 28th in Hong Kong, Thursday, April 27th in New York. And coming up today... U.S. economic growth slows during the first quarter while inflation accelerates. Amazon reports strong sales in its cloud division with quarterly profit topping analyst estimates.
2: And Snap reports its first ever quarterly drop in revenue after making
3: major changes to its ad tools. U.S. policy to de-risk, not decouple. White House says major economic address. McCarthy Bloomberg says he will not compromise to clean debt ceiling rise. Fed share deep-faked into thinking he was talking to Zelensky. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts.
2: Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner.
1: And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. Amazon reporting first quarter revenue that did increase 9.4% to $127.4 billion. Analysts were projecting 124.7, so about $3 billion less. Uh, sales in Amazon's cloud unit rising 16% to $21.4 billion, and that beat projections. It's a sign that the retailer's business is weathering an uncertain economy. Bloomberg's Poonam Goyle tells us Amazon is seeing stable online demand.
0: It got leaner in terms of promotions from a 4Q standpoint. So inventory in the retail landscape has rationalized a little. There's still more to go,
4: but we don't think it's promotions driving that increase. We think it is demand, and consumers are flocking to Amazon for their day-to-day needs.
1: Amazon's results also suggest the company's efforts to reduce costs are starting to bear fruit. Operating expenses increased 8.7% in the quarter. That was the slowest pace in at least a decade. So the stock had a big gain during the regular session, up 4.6%. I mentioned the jump in after hours, but it's given all of that back and is trading uh, flat here at the moment. The stock had gained 31% so far this year as part of a big rebound in tech firms. We also heard
2: from Snap after the bell. The company reported the first quarter revenue fell 7%. This is the company's first ever decline in quarterly revenue. And it comes after Snap made some major changes to its advertising tools. This includes tweaking the design of its distinct direct response ads we heard earlier from Bloomberg's Alex Barinka.
4: To have Snap kind of playing around with those direct response ads, a lot of marketers have backed away and it's clear that they're not spending on the platform. Now, the company will say they had to make these changes. This will improve their business in the long run, but it does seem like um, there's quite a bit of impatience from investors in terms of the story that they're telling today.
2: That is Bloomberg's Alex Sparenka. By the way, Snap said the continued disruption in demand for advertising is expected to continue into the current quarter. The stock right now is down 17% in late U.S. trading.
1: U.S. economic growth slowed in the first quarter. The GDP was at 1.1% on an annualized rate. Bloomberg economists were projecting 1.9% growth. Business investment and in equipment posted the biggest drop since the start of the pandemic. There was also a pullback in inventories, which subtracted the most from GDP in two years. It comes despite a pickup in consumer spending, which rose 3.7%. We got reaction earlier from Lindsey Pigs, a chief economist at Stiefel.
0: This sets the tone for what the expectation of the U.S. economy was at the start of the year, and it tells us two things. One, we're losing momentum from what we saw at the end of last year, but two, the economy is still proving resilient.
1: On a more concerning note for the Fed, core PCE inflation for the quarter rose 4.9%. That was higher than the 4.7% that analysts had estimated. And again, this is the quarterly number. We'll get the March number uh, coming up uh, tomorrow. It may strengthen the case for another Fed rate hike next week.
2: Well, later today, the Bank of Japan is expected to leave its policy unchanged. This as Governor Hueda will chair his first meeting of the Bank of Japan. We have more from Bloomberg's Ao.
0: A Bloomberg survey says the short-term rates will likely be held at minus minus 0.1 percent and that the target yield for the 10-year JGB will stay at 0 percent, with a wiggle room on either side of half a percentage point. The governor's recent public comments have been dovish, but surprises from the previous governor, Haruhiko Kuroda, mean traders will be on high alert. Some economists are flagging for a possible tweak in yield curve control, but Bloomberg Economics say Ueda may call for a policy review. That could prepare the ground for a shift in course further out. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Al, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.
1: I'm Brian Curtis along with Doug Krisner. Rashad Salamat will join us uh, in a few moments. So, Doug, I have to say that among the questions that I would want to be putting to guests today is does this rally that we're having in the equity market feel Uh, shaky or on solid ground, particularly in light of that rather disappointing GDP report. Although consumer spending was pretty solid, but that 1.1% print uh, surely is disappointing. And it comes at a time when you've got inflation, not only sticky, but actually gaining.
2: Yeah, it's difficult to make sense of how the equity market was responding to the weak data and also inflationary pressures that remain persistent in the economy. And that may keep the Fed from cutting rates, as soon as the market had been expecting. But I want to touch on Intel, Brian, because we also heard from Intel after the bell, and the stock right now is up by more than 7% in the late US session. Uh, If you look at the revenue from the data center chips and those chips that are used for AI, well above the average estimate, but the forecast for the current quarter in terms of revenue, mm, solid yes, but not overwhelming. And I think a little more troubling though, maybe gross margin forecast was a little disappointing. But here
1: again, difficult
2: to see why the stock is up
1: about 7% right now. Well, see, here's the thing. It seems like investors are looking at earnings that they're just that good compared to what was expected that they can set aside the macro. And everybody realizes that this is an extremely unusual environment. We have falling GDP at a time that jobs stay strong. So how do you actually put that into your abacus and figure out, you know, what comes out the other side? It's a, it's a, a good question to put to Anthony Doyle. who will be coming up in a few moments head of investment strategy at Firetrail Investments. Now it's time for global news. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan saying that the operative word when thinking about the relationship with China is de-risking. Ed Baxter has global news from the 960 newsroom in San Francisco. Ed?
3: Yeah, exactly, Brian. Uh, Sullivan says de-risk, not decouple. In remarks today at the Brookings Institution in D.C., Sullivan said the interest in protecting U.S. security against China's use of U.S. technology. We'll
4: keep investing in our own capacities and in secure, resilient supply chains. We'll keep pushing for a level playing field for our workers and companies in defending against abuses. Our export controls will remain narrowly focused on technology that could tilt the military balance. We're simply ensuring that U.S. and allied technology is not used against us.
3: Now he says not decouple.
4: We are not cutting off trade. In fact, the United States continues to have a very substantial trade and investment relationship with China. Bilateral trade between the U.S. and China set a new record last year.
3: And Sullivan says all measures are tailored and measured. U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy today is saying his red line on the sand regarding the debt ceiling is he definitely will not negotiate a clean debt ceiling increase proposal. Exclusively on Bloomberg's balance of power, McCarthy says
1: both. Just a debt ceiling vote cannot pass the floor without dealing with the budget. We're at a $32 trillion deficit. When are we ever going to take this up? The Democrats had added $6 trillion. The president wants to spend more money than he spent during COVID.
3: Now, Bloomberg's John Fitzpatrick says uh, President Biden's position is seeming to lose a bit of traction.
2: Realistically, they can either play an endless game of chicken and the president can refuse to talk to him or this vote in the House that demonstrated the Republicans do have a functioning majority can actually get him to the table. It seems the most likely thing is that Biden has to talk to McCarthy.
3: And the White House has reiterated that it will go along with anything but a clean bill. A Fed chair or will not go along with anything, I I should say. Now, Fed Chair Jerome Powell held a call with a pair of Russian pranksters posing as Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky. A video posted on the internet shows Powell answering questions on topics ranging from the outlook for inflation to the Russian central bank. It's unclear if the video was altered. Now, the Fed has confirmed it has no confidential information being discussed. The two pranksters are well known. It's not their first video or rodeo. They did one with J.K. Rowling. They did. One with former President uh, George W. Bush. Now, Bloomberg's Kylie Land says uh, this has to be getting people's attention.
0: This is just something we have to think about in the age of deep fakes and AI and the ability to manipulate uh, information and how it's perceived on the internet. Clearly central banks and governments around the world have to be paying attention.
3: And Wendy Whitmore of Palo Alto Networks on Bloomberg Technology says always morphing into the deep fake.
0: We're going to see much more sophistication coming from them and you've already seen that over the course of the past year with cyber criminals really getting in the game, game in an effective way. So generally technology fuels the offense a bit more faster than it's going to fuel the defense, but I think we also feel very well prepared on the defensive side.
3: And says it will always be a cat-and-mouse game. Global news powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg.
1: I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat, and we say good morning to Anthony Doyle, head of investment strategy at Firetrail Investments, on with us from Sydney. Anthony, we know that we need to respect the price action. We talked about how difficult it is to really get risk assessment done here, and it's not like uh, investors are not discerning. They've they've traded snap down 18% here after the bell, and Amazon was up 12%, and now it's actually down one point. So people are out there making educated guesses on what's going on. What does Anthony Doyle think is going on?
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the market action that we've seen of late um, really reflects concerns around um, the end game of, of monetary policy interest rates um, and the extent to which inflation may not moderate uh, as quickly as central banks would like. Um, So in this type of environment where for so long macro has dominated the narrative um, and we start to revert back to a more normal regime where central bank rates may be on hold for an extended period of time, obviously the stock-specific idiosyncratic factors start to come to the fore. uh, And that's why you're seeing the price action um, on a couple of names that you've just mentioned there. But also the market is highly discerning as to, which companies are likely to thrive um, in a more difficult environment um, and may may be less reliant upon economic growth, um, and those companies that will find uh, an operating environment much tougher, which could be a possible um, recession, global recession, um, within the next 12 months. So uh, tell me something, Anthony, is it discernment or is it actually skittishness uh, in terms of the investors' way of looking at things? I mean, the the conversations that I have with with our clients here uh, in Australia, uh, certainly I think many recognise the opportunity that exists in global equity markets in terms of valuations are compelling following the price action that we've seen over the course of the last 12 months or so, even with the rally we've seen in 2023, um, particularly in mega cap growth style stocks. Um, but there is, uh, I think you're quite right, um, apart from being discerning um, and an environment for obviously trying to, to sort the wheat from the chaff, um, it is a, a, a growing consensus that it is no longer a, the case that central bank liquidity will bail investors out. Um, and so this is where investors becoming more discerning really comes to the fore. It's no longer a case of uh, simply owning market beta. Um, Yeah, that you do have to be active in your approach.
1: Well, you have so much to actually uh, put into the calculations. I mean, you look at Amazon's earnings, they they weren't really all that great. But then the stock was down more than 50 percent last year. So you've got high valuations, but a lot lower than they used to be. And then you've got earnings that coming in, you know, maybe not as bad as expected. And so how do you figure that? I'm not asking you about Amazon in particular, but y- you know what I'm saying is that it's it's very complex now uh, to figure out how to maneuver through the next six to nine months.
4: Yeah. And I think it comes down to your investment time horizon. So more recently yes. uh, to our portfolio, yeah. we, we've added Alphabet. We've added Visa. Um, we own Microsoft and we've owned Microsoft for quite some time. Um, so if you are willing to take that longer term perspective and potentially look through the volatility that we're going to experience within the six, nine, six to nine months, you know, these are, are businesses that are, are very well run, high quality companies, they can sustain long term growth um, despite that short term volatility. Tell me something, what, you know, we've been seeing uh, of late low volumes, low volatility Uh, You know, the market's been in a kind of torpor here. Uh, You know, how much is effectively, uh, uh, what is the case exactly? Do investors actually look at what's going on with the equity markets and go, well, should I really bother when I can just put my money into money market fund instead? Yeah, it's a relatively high hurdle when you do have um, the the risk-free rate um, relatively higher, certainly over the course of the last decade, much higher than than what we've become used to in terms of ultra-low interest rates. And um, coupled with that Obviously, uh, a more uncertain outlook um, and even some geopolitical concerns, particularly around the US debt ceiling and and obviously the the issues we've seen in terms of the war in in Ukraine. Um, It is a a relatively high hurdle for investors to potentially move out of that risk-free asset or money market funds, as you say, into a higher risk asset. I think that's what we're seeing um, and that's reflected in the low volume.
2: Just say, Alexa,
1: play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you
2: need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia.